For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, please bless my preaching to be true and useful in bringing out the riches of your Holy Word and our joy in the gospel of the cross of your Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I simply want to unpack this verse, phrase by phrase, this morning. Uh, So the first is this phrase, the word of the cross. The word of the cross, the cardinal meaning of this, of course, you already know. But I love the reality that we need to hear it again and again. The word of the cross is that, as we heard so in verse prophesied in Micah, will God give his firstborn son? Rhetorical answer, yes, exactly, to die on a regular old cross. And that that single event, that moment, that one day as in history as we calculated it, was in reality the satisfaction of the justice of God the putting away of sin and death and the reconciliation of mankind to himself through his own blood. We now have the hope of eternal life in the future and a relationship with God where we can talk to him in the present. For a moment, and it was actually such a scary thought, I didn't entertain it for more than 30 seconds, but just in preparing for this week, I thought, for 30 seconds, what if we didn't have any reconciled relationship to God and we were actually... Uh, apart from him in the universe, the plaything of demons and bound towards darkness. And there were just 30 seconds of thinking that what if we weren't reconciled to God was well, enough to encourage a great refreshed gratitude in my heart. The word of the cross. And when the word of the cross is received willingly by any hearer, it, has an, it gives back an echo from the wall of the heart. Um, actually, a, a better image for that which comes to mind because um, my girls really like rubber stamps, <laughs> is it leaves a stamp, right? The word of the cross is the original stamp, but on every heart, and in this metaphor, the ink would be the Holy Spirit. It leaves the impression of a cross on the hearts of those who receive the message willingly. And this is the way it sort of opens up the second meaning of the word of the cross, right? The word of the cross is Christ's, the God-man's death and on a cross for our reconciliation. But the echo of that word is the cross impressed on our own lives. And this is how we tie the many teachings of the New Testament together. When Jesus says, he who would be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross. It's not some independent act that you do to try and win points. that's, That's not the gospel. The gospel is that because Christ died on the cross, that cross will leave an impression on the life of the Christian. So much so, St. Paul would say, um, I have been crucified with Christ. That stamp has really left a mark. It's as if I'm dead. A story I love from the um, Desert Fathers is one of the uh, monks was being slandered and just all this insult was being heaped on him. He didn't answer back. Um, and someone said, oh, why aren't you going like, to push back and take some action and do something? He said, do dead men push back? No, of course not. You have been crucified with Christ. And as uh, the, the, the word of the cross continues to make its impression on the heart, um, the depth of our crucifixions of the world will increase. Our love for the things of this world that are passing away will dial back. 
and our love for things that are eternal will dial up. And we will become just like Christ who carried his cross with infinite patience. We will become more like Christ in bearing our cross with great patience. And not to try and, well, to do too many, try and do too many things at once. Um, this is how the Beatitudes that we heard read fit in, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. This lowliness, the lowliness of the cross. When it makes its impression, we choose lowliness for the way of Christ. It is blessed because it will be blessed by rejoicing then, being fed then. The marks of a life stamped by the cross of Christ. That is what the Beatitudes are. The word of the cross, in its double meaning, right? The word and its echo, its imprint on our heart, is folly to those who are perishing. And of course it is. The claim, right? The death of one man who by outward appearances was just a man. We know that he was far more. He was in fact fully God. But to the outside observer, as it were, just a man who died 1,993 years ago, trusting in that man leads to an increasingly humbled and lowly life with the hope of a deeper union with God now and joy in eternity? Of course that's crazy. Folly is crazy, right? Of course that sounds crazy to those who are perishing, which doesn't mean those who are dying because we're all on the route to dying, right? Those who are spiritually perishing, who are living presently in willful darkness that is getting darker by the day. Right? Perishing has an increasing quality to it. And one of the things we see in this passage that the Holy Spirit speaks through St. Paul is that of those who are living in darkness and remaining in darkness, who are presently spiritually in the act of perishing, there are sort of two subtypes, Jew and Greek. And Paul's talking about far more than ethnicity, right? Because Paul is a Jew and he's writing to a church which is almost all Greeks in Corinth, right? Corinth is a Greek city. So what we see here is not sort of some uh, sort of ethnic totalizing statement, but there are types of ways in which we characteristically reject the gospel. The Jews would say, the unbelieving Jews, I can't see the evidence, right? Jews demand signs. I lived in Missouri for a couple of years, which I didn't know until we moved there. It was called the show me stage, right? Show me, give me the proof. That's one way. And then the Greeks who um, were enchanted with their own philosophical traditions, the way they would dodge is, you know, this, this message of a man who died 2,000 years ago, lowliness, meekness, um, that doesn't fit with our philosophical and moral system. It just doesn't fit. And those are the two ways of rejecting the gospel. Show where's the signs, and it doesn't fit with our system. And although a lot has changed materially in the 2,000 years since first century Corinth, uh, not a lot has changed spiritually, right? This diagnoses us still today. As us, I mean, in the corporate sense. I can't see the evidence, or this is not in keeping with my moral and philosophical system. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I love the present tense in this verse. The way it places the reality of our salvation as in process in the present. And the scripture, um, in a fascinating way, uses all three grammatical tenses, sorry, momentarily, you know, eighth grade English lesson, grammatical tenses uh, to describe our salvation. In a way, we can talk about it in the past. It was predestined before the foundation of the world. 
And in a way, we can speak about it very clearly as still being in the future, right? We're still living with this body of death. We've not yet risen in glory. Salvation, capital S, like the work being done, that's all future. And we can speak about it in the present. And wonderfully, the grammar, past, present, future, is about evenly split throughout the New Testament. Um, We're saved, we will be saved, and we are being saved in the present. It's ongoing. Right now, even right now, as you are afresh receiving in memory and in your intellect and will, the word of the cross, the stamp is being made an impression. Okay, man, this is probably the nerdiest sermon I've ever kind of preached in bookbinding, as some of you know is my hobby. When you want to make an impression, um, such as like a stamped impression on the leather, um, this was only stamped once by a machine, so the impressions are not very deep. When you hand stamp, you go over it like four or five times. You go over the almond do it again, speed up the two. You press the stamp until it's really clear and strongly marked. Oh, that was a really... <laughs> but it's this picture of the way we receive the cross and it leaves a deeper and a deeper stamp. As we share in the sacrament of his holy body, each and every week as we gather, the stamp is deepened and refreshed. We are being made like Christ. We are being grown up into his likeness. And that's why it's called the power of God to us who are being saved. That when we have sinned, all we have to do is recall the cross and we are led by the grace of God to repent. That's powerful. right? I mean, the reason that self-help books keep getting written is because none of them actually fully work. Like, it's not just, oh, just learn that thing and you've mastered your life. If they did, they wouldn't be writing any more self-help books. But the cross is the only actual, true, and permanent sort of therapeutic anchor that we grip onto. When we sin, we recall the cross. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. And then when we feel sorrow in that that repentance, like, oh, Lord, I'm ashamed of my sins. We think of the cross, and there's comfort in it. It's a conviction and then a comfort. But, Lord, I know that you died for them. The word of the cross is a comfort. When we recall the word of the cross, when we're hungry for the things of God, like, God, I want to understand your mysteries and this life more. And we look at the cross with our mind. We, we recall the word of the cross. It says, if you're hungry and thirst for righteousness, you'll be fed. We're spiritually fed by it. The same word. It's convicting. It's comforting. It's feeding. And also, when you, we are weary and well-doing, right? one glance at the cross and it's like, oh, what I'm doing is nothing compared to what Christ has done for us. It's a strengthener. It's a fortifier. One of the customs for centuries and centuries for those who were in the agonizing pains of the deathbed, final pains, was to just give them a cross to hold on to. So as a reminder of like, God suffered this as well. He suffered it for me. He suffered more than me. And the way in which just the drawing of our attention to Christ on the cross fortifies our inner man to be strong and patient for suffering. That is a powerful word. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen.